So back in 2009, a reality TV show called Shark Tank uh, showed up on the airwaves, and now um, it's made it to its ninth season. Uh, so pretty successful. Um, has anyone not seen Shark Tank? I hope everybody, a few. You haven't seen Shark Tank? Get your act together, lady. Um, so Shark Tank is a show, and this is kind of like a, a common view of it, where new entrepreneurs and inventors stand before these folks who are called the sharks, who are rich and famous and inve- wealthy investors, to pitch their businesses, to pitch their new inventions, to pitch their ideas, to get them to invest. So they'll stand before them, say, hi, sharks, my name is this. I'm looking for $100,000 for 5% equity into my company, and they present it. And every episode is a bunch of different entrepreneurs standing before them and the sharks asking questions, asking how much money they made, where they're at in their business strategy, what their hopes and dreams are, what their mission and vision is. And basically, they just pick apart the business to find out whether or not they want to invest their own money into the company and take part ownership of it. And if you're familiar with the show, which is everybody except for my wife, um, Uh, there are typically three types of experiences that happen on every episode. One is the easy ones. Wow, like great success. They know that this business is going to just skyrocket and do well. So the sharks, they're all competing with each other. Like, no, 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 I'll invest, I'll invest. And they start outbidding each other. There's the other easy category, the second of the three, where they just reject them flat out. There are some episodes where like, people show up and they like, completely forget their lines. They don't know what to say. Their business is a failure or their product just sucks. And they're just like, ah, I'm out and pass, and they just send them along their way. And still there's a third uh, common uh, experience that happens on the show where the sharks actually speak very highly of the business, of the individual, about their ideas, their plans. They even, like, speak praises to them, like, wow, like, we love what you're about. We see that you're such an awesome person. We believe in this. We're so happy that there are people like you on this earth who want to do this type of work. But it's about the bottom line, so I wish you well, but I'm out. We hear that final, like that kind of stamp in, their, in, in the line in the show, I'm out. We love you, we love everything you're about, but unfortunately, we don't see that we're going to make our money back. So no matter how much of a great person, no matter how much we believe in you, we're not going to invest. This morning, I want to make a pitch to all of you and say that you are all in their seats as the sharks. You are the potential investors. You are the ones that have something to offer. And to stand before you to ask and make a pitch that you might convest, uh, convest, commit and invest. Wow, compound word right there. <laughs> commit and invest as gospel community investors into our church here at Cornerstone. Cornerstone, let me tell you about it. We're a church that is on a mission to invest in loving community by sharing our lives together while breaking down barriers. And the thing is, similarly to the entrepreneurs that stand before them, and the way that I'm going to do that before you now and today in this message, is that just like those entrepreneurs cannot succeed and cannot accomplish what they seek out to without the investment of the sharks, we cannot accomplish anything. We cannot even take a step closer to our goal. Next week when we talk about the town hall, we will have said in this past year we did absolutely nothing to move forward if it is without your investment. If it is not without all of you to buy in, to say I'm into this, and to invest. The greatest difference, however, between us and 
all of you, between me and them up on the screen, is that as gospel-driven investors into gospel community, we invest not because we expect something in return. We invest not because we expect to receive a profit. Rather, we invest because the gospel compels us to do everything that we possibly can to see the bride of Christ succeed in her mission. We invest because the gospel compels us to see the church succeed because the church is the bride of Christ. Our goal is the glory of Jesus through the church. Therefore, we invest. So today, I want to look at a chapter of the Bible that I'm uh, going to type even, uh, like, kind of identify, and I'm going to mark and title this sermon to say that we're going to look at the model for gospel community. And so we're going to read Romans chapter 12, the entire thing. It's not too long, so don't worry. Um, But we're going to look at this short part of the letter that Paul writes to the church in Rome. And I want to look at it as our model, a manual even of sorts, of how we as Christians invest into gospel community. So one, I hope that it matters to us today and it matters for as long as you're at Cornerstone. But I know that, you know, some of you are, you know, eventually your job, you're going to switch it or eventually you're going to graduate your program and you're going to move on to your next city and next church. And I hope that Romans 12, every time that you wonder how you ought to commit to a church, every time you wonder what your role or what your responsibility is, whether here or elsewhere, that you just turn to Romans 12. So let's open up our Bibles. Uh, if you don't have one, you can read along with me on the screen. Romans 12. We're going to read from verse 1 all the way through to 21. Paul writes to the church in Rome. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Believe it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. 
do not overcome by do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good this is the word of the lord thanks be to god all right so as i mentioned we are going to be looking at this message and as this chapter with this heading the model for gospel community so we're going to go through, we're not going to read all the verses again, but we're going to look at this from this view and this lens of the model for gospel community, starting from step one, which is sacrifice. Let's read verse one again together. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So step one, if we are going to really be investors into a gospel-driven community, it requires sacrifice. You know, when I re- we just read Romans 12, as we read that together, it is chock full of command after command after command that relates to us and God and how that relates, makes us relate to each other, right? We have gifts, use it, let be genuine in love, don't uh, avenge yourself, have, be harmonious with each other, weep with the people who are weeping, rejoice, be prayerful, command after command after command. And Paul starts this whole list with this heading that acts as the umbrella for everything else that he says below it in saying, I appeal to you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And as we begin here, and as I add, give a little bit of extra attention to this heading verse, I want to ask that we listen to it new. Like, you know, sacrifice is a word that has such heavy and serious and impactful meaning, but when we Christianize it, or when we just get jaded or numb to it because we use it so much in the church, I feel like sometimes it doesn't carry the weight that it really ought to. So I want to invite us now to hear this as if it was the first time you've ever heard this verse in your whole life, and hear Paul's pitch to you as he's he's the investor or the entrepreneur and as you are the sharks. I appeal to you, therefore, Brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Sacrifice means that we surrender everything to God's will for his doing, for his pleasure. Sacrifice means that we give up our own will, our own desires, and replace it with God's. Sacrifice means we're not only willing, but also ready to do what he commands us, and we live by his ways and not our own. The thing is, when it comes to our investment into gospel community, I think a lot of us, we don't necessarily start from sacrifice as step one, which, in my opinion, if I can understand, I don't know, community life accurately, is why, for a lot of us, our investment is either fickle or mood-based, seasonal, maybe on thin ice, or non-existent. I think if we don't start here, it becomes problematic for us because it's only when we start from a posture of sacrifice that we have an unwavering investment into the church. Let me ask if if you've ever experienced something like this because I think a lot of us, we want to give more time, energy, uh, invest into relationships, give, 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 and we really want to. We love the idea. I would love it if I blank. And and we've all been there. Some of us are there right now. Let me see if you might relate to this and ever having thought or said this out loud. I really want to invest more of my time into church community, but I'm behind on my schoolwork. I'm swamped at work. I haven't even had time to go to the gym or to go grocery shopping. I'm always eating out. I don't have the time. Well, I really want to invest more money into the church, but 
I'm in debt. I have so many bills. I still have large financial needs that I know that are coming around the corner. I really want to invest more relationally into the church, but I'm not good at small talk. I'm an introvert. There's so much energy. I'm not good at sharing. It's so uncomfortable and awkward. All of us, including myself, have said this many times. In the past, we're probably thinking and feeling that now in some ways. We're going to say that again in the future. And the thing is, when these lists of obstacles and the but moment happens, good intentions are not good motivations for us to overcome that, right? We've all been there. I've been there, and I work here, where it's like, oh, it's really uncomfortable. I'm nervous to talk to those people. And my good intentions easily just get snuffed out because it's not a good motivator. It doesn't strengthen me. And I feel like those obstacles in the but moments, they can, over, they can only be overcome. They can only be defeated. They can only be silenced in order for us to then to go and to invest when we, by the mercies of God, present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our spiritual worship. We offer everything. We give it to God and say, it's your shot. It's your call. It's your will. Gospel community starts with each and every single member being a living sacrifice. Step two in our investment into gospel community is to be humble. And Paul kind of scatters this all throughout the chapter. In verse three, he says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. Verse 10, he says, Love one another with brotherly affection. He commands us to outdo one another in showing honor. That requires humility. Verse 16, he says, Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. In order to earnestly invest into gospel community, we need to be humble. We need to come from a place where our goal, our objective, our desire is to see the church and the community benefit. We're not looking for our own benefit. We're not looking for our own good. We're not looking for our own profit. We want to see the success of the mission of the bride of Christ. And so we approach it with humility. If you've ever watched Shark Tank, uh, and if you are well familiar with the show, you know that every episode they also do these one-minute segments of, like, check-ins. So somebody got invested in by one of the sharks, and then six months later or 18 months later, they check in on how the business is doing, and they get a short testimonial. And I want to show you one. It's, it's only 90 seconds long. It's really quick. So look up at this uh, check-in testimonial video here. Earlier this season, mother and son team Judy and Bobby Edwards made a deal with Lori Grenier for their toilet stool squatty potty. We're going to take Lori's offer. Let's see what's happening now. I invited Bobby and Judy to come with me to Bed Bath & Beyond and check out our new display. Oh my gosh, look at that. We just launched in every location nationwide. That's over 1,100 stores. It's a tower of squatting. The night we aired, 158,000 people visited our website. Within two days, we sold a million dollars in squatting potties. It's been three months since we aired, and our total sales are $12.3 million. This will stop you as you walk in the store. One of the most important things when you get into a retail store is where are you placed? You could be on the bottom shelf. We have an entire floor-to-ceiling display. People would do anything to get that. 
long way from our Thank garage. You. In the beginning, people thought we were crazy for selling such a product. Having Lori on our team has really validated Squatty Potty. Let's go celebrate. Let's, let's go. So is this what's going to be our new homepage? This is it. I love the changes. We've made it our mission to change the way America uses the bathroom, and we're here to provide products to help them do that. And we're not going to quit till Squatty Potty is a household name. Cheers. This has been such an amazing experience for us. We continue to be grateful every day for Lori and Shark Tank. It's, it's potty time. time! All right. So... As much as I would love to talk about our bowel movements, because you know that's my jam, I didn't choose Squatty Potty on purpose. Um, so you saw the video. Some of you, you know, you're very familiar with those. Uh, they do these one-minute, like, recaps, and they're always successful and smiling and great interviews of how great their success was. And this example of Squatty Potty uh, is, is just one of the, the most popular ones of how successful they got, and, you know, they've been Bed Bath & Beyond stores all over the country. And as you watch, you're sitting on your living room, watching Shark Tank, seeing these update uh, videos and ones like this and the others, they're really, really good at dictating how we feel. I mean, the TV is like magic, right? They're, they're experts on leading the narrative in a way that they know that all of the viewers are going to follow. And if you're like me, and if you get successfully caught by their objective, when you watch those videos, we come away leaving really good about Shark Tank, right? Like, wow, like, they change lives. Like, Shark Tank is so awesome. Like, these small, like, nobody uh, entrepreneurs who are just committed to, um, you know, their passions and their dreams, and Shark Tank shows up and makes it possible for them to reach to the stars. And, and you know, they're always the, the individual or the couple or the family, whoever it is, they're always like, thanks, Shark Tank, like, you changed our lives. And it's all about making Shark Tank so amazing and so great. But the thing is, they come off all, like, generous, but the investment was only going to happen with their profit. I mentioned this earlier. There's always three types of, uh, of experiences that happen in the episodes, and one of them is they speak praise onto people, but if they don't think that they're going to profit, they say, I'm out. So it's definitely not this generous, like, oh, we believe in you and your dreams. No, it's we're going to make lots of money off of you. They're getting involved ultimately for their own good, and the side benefit happens to be that it blesses somebody else too. This is what I think pride can do to all of us in our investment in the church. Ultimately, our investment, you know, we get pitched with something, somebody kind of gives us a reason why we might get involved and to invest, and it starts with me it starts with, well, how that fits well into these situations in my life, what I might desire out of that, what I might benefit, what it, it, will it be enjoyable, will I like it, will I have fun, will it be something that I, allows me to connect in this way better, and we go through this like series of, of complicated emotional uh, like functions as if it were like this like expansive Excel sheet, and if we hit enter, does the outcome come out? Yes with all these criteria for whether it works for me. And the side benefit, it happens to be that somebody else bene- like receives some sort of blessing, and that's great. But when it's pride that leads us, as soon as our benefit gets attacked or shook or changed or altered in any way, I'm out. 
I think the reason why Paul talks so much about humility in this passage when talking about how we relate to each other is because pride is exactly what smushes and blows up and erases our commitment to each other. Here are some questions to think about to discern whether pride is leading your humility. Do you long for recognition and praise in your investment more than you long for the success of the mission itself? Do you only want to serve in areas that make you feel happy? Or are you willing to serve in whatever way you're asked? Do you seek out to fill the needs of the community? Or do you only want to invest in things that interest you? Do you invest only in needs of com- areas of comfort? Or do you invest in areas that can be helpful, even if, mean, if, even if it means you entering into an uncomfortable place? Do you invest only when it fits your schedule and your means? Or do you prioritize the investment and work other things around it? And for many of us, do you even think about the investment at all? Pride wants us to get the recognition. Pride chooses the criteria and the means and the ways. Pride loves to mask our good deeds with ultimately how it makes me feel first. And let me tell you, there are huge differences, huge differences from the process. I don't think anybody is malicious or anybody starting from a place of, I'm going to serve me first. It doesn't happen that way. We're all like people who are earnestly trying to follow Jesus closely. But pride, what it does is it tricks us, and we start from a different uh, starting line. On the good side, it starts with Jesus. What is Jesus' glory and praise and worship all about? And how, does that, how is that accomplished through his bride, the church? And then me. How do I get involved in allowing the, the church to be strengthened for Jesus to get the glory? That's humility. When pride seeps in and deceives us and, and snaps our vision away from humble living, we start with me. How much extra time do I have to give? What kind of bandwidth do I have? What desire do I really even have? What hobbies do I like that might be able to align? Do I like the people? that I, Is it going to be awkward for me? And we, we, we measure all those things very carefully, and then we go to Jesus. Okay, well, now that you know, X, Y, and Z works, okay, Jesus can be glorified to that, and therefore I can get involved that way in the church. There's a vast difference when we start from a place of humility and how Jesus can be most glorified in and through me, as opposed to what criteria will Jesus' glory fit in my life. There's a difference in the way that we invest into a gospel-driven community as opposed to just a community. Gospel community thrives off the humility of the investors. I would love to see a Shark Tank episode where one of the sharks invests knowing that they're going to lose millions of dollars. It's not going to happen. But that happens all the time in the church. That happens all the time when humble servants of Jesus say, I will give everything because it's not about how I gain. It's about seeing this church success, uh, succeed in her mission. Step three, finally, serve. No surprise, right? Let's read uh, this largest chunk of this passage, actually, starting from verse four. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though our many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith. If... If service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, 
the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Later in verse 11, Paul writes, Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. So we start from a place of sacrifice in our hearts. We ask the Lord for a heart of humility, and then we put our sacrificial, humble living into action through our service. Let me uh, read a, a, a quote from author Tom Rainer. He writes, Do you know how to remain a biblical member of a church? Give abundantly and serve without hesitation. We who are church members are all supposed to function in the church. The concept of an inactive church member is an oxymoron. Biblically, no such church member really exists. Everyone has a function and should be functioning. Everyone should have a role. One of the ongoing questions you should ask yourself and God in prayer is, how can I best serve my church? You should never ask yourself if you should be serving your church. One thing that I love about this quote from Tom Rainer, I didn't choose it just because it's like, you know, like to the point and convicting, is actually in the beginning, in the top and bottom of, of this slide, he says, biblical. Do you know how to remain a biblical member of a church? And at the bottom, he says, biblically, no such church member exists. I love the way that he uses biblical, and I wish it were italicized and like blown up, because there's a huge difference between a biblical member of a church and an attending member. There's a huge difference between biblical member and church and uh, even, in, even, dare I say, involved member of a church. There's a huge difference between biblical member of a church and committed member of a church. Biblical members strengthen the community by their actions, and they do this all for the benefit of the community because the gospel compels them to action while the gospel also keeps them sacrificial and humble. Here's the thing. We can be the best committed, best attending, even best involved members of the church our whole lives, and potentially accomplish nothing for the kingdom. We could have 500 all-church luncheons. We could have 10 retreats per year. We could do more young adult CGs and do strawberry, blueberry, apple, pear picking, watermelon, everything picking, and accomplish nothing for the kingdom. Right? We could attend everything that Cornerstone blows up on the side and contribute nothing to the kingdom of God. Attending members are not the same as biblical members. Attendance does not equal investment. We cannot equate the two. Biblical members, according to Tom Rainer, are give abundantly and serve without hesitation. Because they love. So this is the model for gospel community. We start with offering our lives to Jesus as living sacrifices. We approach the community with humility. And then we take action and serve. And I want to invite and pitch to you again to apply this text, Romans 12, to your life today, to your tenure at Cornerstone, and then to your life forever, regardless of whatever church you can go and bless and invest in. Firstly, in two practical ways for here at Cornerstone. Firstly, I want to invite you to attend our things in order to invest. 
I want to ask that if you show up to a thing that we do in our summer initiative uh, in this summer of 2018 that we're, you know, trying to really, like, you know, um, you know, prioritize, whether it's the 4th of July barbecue, whether it's today, post-service for our lunch, whether it's one of our volunteer opportunities at the New England Seafarers Mission, whatever it is that's happening this summer, I want to invest that you show up not to attend, but you show up to invest. That you show up there not to receive something out of it, but rather you show to give something to somebody else. We want to ask that you show up to be a community builder and that the community that you are with there is actively blessed and benefits from your presence there. You know something that I know so many Cornerstone people are so sick of us saying, and we say it all the time, is meet somebody you haven't met before, shake somebody's hand that you wouldn't normally talk to, and then we roll away all the chairs, we bring in the tables, and we're like, oh, do that again, and it doesn't happen. And this is the thing. We're not repeating ourselves because, I don't know, we don't know what else to say up front, or because we just want to be broken records. We repeat ourselves because we're committed to our mission. We repeat ourselves because we want to say at Town Hall how far we've gone because of you. Not because of the LT and because of the staff. There's very little that LT and staff can do. We repeat ourselves because we believe in us as a community, being the investors and being the ones that invest in loving community while breaking down barriers. Can we heed this text in this message from Paul with conviction? Can we resolve this summer to show up to invest? When we have a park day, and I'm guilty of this, I have gone and done nothing but exercised because I went just to play volleyball or softball or football. All I did was exercise. I can go do that at my gym. Can we show up even to a park day to invest there, not just to play there? And that doesn't mean, like, subtract it with fun. Don't talk to your friends. Don't pet a dog if it shows up. Don't eat watermelon. That's not what we're saying, but be there so that other people will be blessed by your presence as opposed to just waiting until I got next and just waiting until, you know, like, that moment comes. I'm guilty of it. You've seen me. Watch Shark Tank, then you can talk in sermons. Secondly, and very unsurprisingly, I want to invite all of us to serve. If you are not involved in any way, if you're not serving or giving in any way, I want to ask that you contribute, not out of guilt, not because the Bible says so, but because you want to invest, because you believe in this community, because you believe in this church, because you love the bride of Christ, and regardless of which bride you happen to be attending, you want to see it benefit in the season with which you are there. Because you are a biblical member, a biblical follower, a biblical disciple who loves the bride of Christ and wants to see her succeed. If you are not contributing in your service in any way, go to the welcoming table, fill out the contact card, mark off, I want to speak to a pastor, mark off, I would like to find a place to serve, and in the blurb say, I'm not serving in any way, tell me what to do, I want to get involved. Come speak to me or one of the pastors after service. If, that, if all those things like ah, I'm a little uncomfortable with, then talk to a friend of yours who is serving. I think that's the easiest way. We always say, oh, come up after service, but, you know, it can maybe be intimidating or, you know, it's like out of the way or you're leaving quickly. If you, it's likely that you have a friend here who's serving in one capacity or another. Ask your friend what they do. How can I do that too with you? 
There's so many easy on-ramps for you to serve. If you're not doing anything, I want to humbly ask you to serve, to contribute to the needs of this body because you believe in her mission and because you love the bride of Christ. Sacrifice, humility, service. Gospel community is not about you. It's not about me. It's not about our life stages. It's not about even Cornerstone. We strive for gospel community because it is about the glory of Jesus Christ. Gospel communities are about making the work of Jesus beautifully seen and experienced to all who come because it is the children of God putting into action exactly what Jesus has done for us. Paul writes these commands in Romans 12. It doesn't come out of thin air. He doesn't just happen to be inspired by these ideas and and write and pen something that is revolutionary. He writes exactly what Jesus did. Starting with sacrifice. Ephesians 2.2 says, And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Jesus in every way was a living sacrifice, and then he in every way became a dying sacrifice in order that we might live. Next is humility, right? Sacrifice, then humility. Philippians 2, 6-7. Though he was in the form of God, Jesus, he, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he empties himself by taking the form of a servant. Jesus was not only humble in like, you know, these soft ways. He went to the lowest possible form of humility that he could in taking on the form of man and then in the realm of man, therefore, then and there becoming a servant. He was humble. And lastly, Jesus came to serve. Mark 10, 45. This is one of the most remarkable verses in Scripture. If you're falling on me, like listen to this, Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is God. He is God himself. He created all things. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And yet it says in Mark 10, 45, that he did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. We as investors can create gospel community when we emulate Jesus Christ. Ultimately, our goal is to do unto community to do unto our church what Jesus has done unto us. I want to ask that if you have any inclination to invest and to show up at our events, to start serving if you're not, if you already are serving, to renew your commitment, uh, whether it's like literally, practically, or emotionally, whatever it is that you feel compelled to do today as a result of reading Romans 12 with me, I want, you to, I want to ask you to call time out on that and first start in what Jesus has done for you because he was sacrificial towards you. He treated you with the greatest humility and then he served you beyond our comprehension. And I want to ask you that you can there become a biblical member of a gospel community by just saying, I'm just going to copy what he did. By doing unto this church and even to your future one what Jesus has first done unto you. So Cornerstone, church, let us be living sacrifices like Jesus. Let us engage one another with humility like Jesus. And let us serve one another like Jesus.
Lord Jesus, it's our, our joy uh, to be reminded at the table of your body broken and, in your, and of your blood shed for us. And how there's nowhere else for us to need to ever look but to your cross and to be reminded of the good news of Jesus. And how God the Father sent his only son down to earth to live, to, um, to live among us, to minister, and to then to sacrifice and to give up his life in order that we might be redeemed, in order that we might be welcomed into your family and for the forgiveness of sin. And now in this place, Lord, we do not just go to neutral. For we were sinners and now we're, we're good. But in being reminded of this amazing act of love, we want to go and be doers of the same. So would you just convict us and then move us to commit ourselves to be investors into gospel community where we approach with the sacrifice of Jesus and like Jesus. We approach with the humility of Jesus like Jesus and where we serve just like Jesus. Make us into that kind of community, Lord, that is all about your glory and all about your likeness coming alive in us, your children. We commit ourselves unto you we pray that you would receive more and more praise, that you would be lifted higher and higher by the way that we love. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.